Well, we're in a series called Lake Life. I'm glad you're with us. We've been doing this for a number of weeks. And it's really this whole idea of stepping out in faith. And then we're looking at stories around the lake when Jesus, some 2,000 years, walked on this earth and revealed to people what faith looks like. I uh, want to share with you a uh, affirmation, and we get a number of these for both our counseling ministry, gateway ministries, we get them for ministries within the church. Uh, we receive this story, I'm going to read just a small portion of it, and I'm also going to share with you that coming this week, you should be watching in your email, don't let it just slide and, and hit, don't read. There is a, a counseling ministry newsletter that we send out three times a year, you'll be getting one, it talks about what God's been doing, God uses us in this way in many ways. You are all a part of this. The gifts, your presence, and all that you do as a family, a church, is a part of touching a life like this. This person wrote about a year ago, our marriage was broken, and it's because of adultery that was the crossroads that brought us to this point. Didn't know whether we could get past it. It was suggested, and then we get this often from people outside who come to this ministry, it was suggested that we reach out to the counseling ministry at Ways That Are Free. And we were blessed to meet with Dick Augustine and Beth Moorhead. They're one, a couple of our team of counselors. Um, having been both, having both a male and a female counselor at each session was very helpful. Through prayer, their guidance and tools that they provided, we can happily say that our marriage of 42 years has been saved. Praise God. Our marriage and our love for each other is stronger than ever. Thank you isn't enough. We will be forever grateful for the constant service provided by Wyzetta Free and our Christ-centered counselors. Sometimes to get a life or a marriage or a family transformed, to see God work in a way when you would look at it and you go, it just couldn't make it, it's so broken... It may be that you will have to, through your faith, carry that person to Jesus. And often it takes more than just the faith of you. It will take the faith of a few others, which we saw in this. Thank God for these two people who met with us. Sometimes it takes the faith of a few. It even takes the faith of a church, a faith community like this that actually puts together ministries that carries people to Jesus so that Jesus can do the healing and the transforming that we ourselves can't do. And so as we look at this story today, we're going to be looking at a story where some guys, could have been a couple of women, I think it says in the text, some guys carried a paralytic man through their faith into the presence of Jesus. With this idea that in his presence, anything is possible. It's about what they knew. So let's listen to this story. I'm going to ask you to stand as we read this scripture. Scripture says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum, several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. And soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. And while he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived 
carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Now, I just can quickly just say that if you go to the Gospels, you've written each Gospel story, one of the reasons early on in, in, in academic um, criticism of the Gospels, and they said, look, you, you can't believe the Gospel because one says it used tile, another used a different form. And, and what you need to understand in something like that when there's so discrepancies Mark was writing to an audience that only knew of roofs that were like tiles. Does that make sense? So he's writing in a way they could understand it, and almost in a sense paraphrasing what happened. So there's no discrepancy at all when you understand the intention of the author. So it says, they dug a hole through the roof above his head, which I like because it's just a hole. And they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of the religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, you can kind of see them looking at each other, no words said, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned. I just think of the guts of this. He just turned. didn't care what they were thinking. He says to the paralyzed man, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. And they were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. Let's pause. Jesus, it is our desire to understand this morning how we can have a faith that carries people. What it means for us individually, but what it means for us as a church. What does that look like? God, we want more of you. We want more of your son, Jesus, in our midst, in our daily life. So um, reveal your word and, and, and breathe into us the hunger for your spirit to do that kind of work within us, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. You'll be seated. Well, the last few weeks, I started, as we started the series, I, I, I had the phrase that if you want to walk on water, stole this from John Orberg, so I don't think it was original with me. You've got to get out of the boat. And we talked about what water walking faith is like, right? Last week, thank, I am thankful that Luke and Luke shared the message and they shared about that first call of following Jesus. And if I was to put their um, words in a phrase, I would have phrased it like this. If you want to live an extraordinary life, you got to say yes to Jesus. When he calls you immediately, respond. And throughout your day, continue to respond and say yes. And you will see God work in extraordinary ways. Well, today, what I want us to consider is this. If you want to see a life transformed, you see a life that needs help, someone who, as you are um, going through your daily life, you kind of see this person. If you want to see a life transformed, you may have to carry the person. And you might be going, What? It means this, just like you had water walking faith we talked about a few weeks ago, I'm going to talk today about what does it look like to have a 
caring kind of faith with regard to those around you and those that God may have placed in your life. And so to to understand what it means to carry through faith another person, I want to just kind of go through this text. And the first thing that I, I look at this text and I find interesting is that the kind of faith that carries someone actually sees the need of someone. They, they see the helplessness or the hopelessness. They, they see the hurting person. They're, they're attentive to, they're aware of that. You see, those who came to Jesus came to Jesus because they understood that in Jesus, the kind of culture that, that he, um, um, uh, pervaded out of his life was this sense that the person is welcome. It was also this kind of culture that allowed people to go, I'm not perfect. In fact, I have limitations, I have imperfections, I have sin, and yet this welcoming presence of Jesus allows for me to come. In fact, I want to run to that person, and when I come to Jesus, I don't know what's going to happen, but I do know this, I've seen it enough, anything's possible. And that's the culture that we're seeking to create here, that the hurting, the helpless will feel welcome. And in spite of their imperfections or their sin, they will understand what we have learned, and that is with Jesus, there is the possibility that anything can happen. And so as you go about your work day, as you go about um, your day in, in life, as you are meeting with friends or neighbors, taking your kids to sports, as you are meeting with other people, maybe in a, a um, retirement home, you're in, whatever it might be, wherever place you are, if you live with this idea that your life can be welcoming and can invite people in who need help, who, who are in a position just like you were, you also have the ability And you may not have realized it, to have faith to carry that person into the presence of Jesus where anything can be possible. We just need to see them. We need to live with a spiritual sense of awareness. And you need to know that God has placed people around you who need help who may be living in a situation that feels hopeless to them, may be frustrated with circumstances in their life. And the message they need is not a message on morality or a message of what you think about how bad the world is. The message they actually need is this welcoming presence that says, right where they're at, I see and I understand, and and I am going to have faith. You don't have to say this to them, but you can in your heart say, I'm going to have faith to carry you through Jesus. What they do not need is your judgment. Because Jesus, you're, that's not your job. Jesus didn't even come to judge. It says in, in, in John 3, 16, that famous verse, and then verse 17, which follows, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, not to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. You know what else? They don't don't need your pity. 
I was reading about a person who is physically challenged and, and, and they just kind of, um, they are offended when people come to them with a sense of pity. Not, not a sense of empathy or even a sense of sympathy which kind of mourns with someone who mourns, but the pity that kind of looks at them and kind of judges and looks at their situation and goes, you know, they'll never be able to f- experience a fulfillment or a happiness or anything else in life like that. It's a pity that is really kind of, in a sense, judgmental. And the person goes on to say, often pity tells you more about the person giving it than the person receiving it. And when you feel sorry for someone, or maybe pity in that sense, that reveals your prejudices and your misconceptions. And it can actually, unfortunately, hurt someone. So what do they need? What a person needs is for you to have a spiritual sensitivity that when you see something, you're open to it. And, and, and as you see, and you can't do this for everyone, but you stay aware. And what happens is, as you see this, instead of judging or study, moving to pity, you, you're moved to a place where you go, God, I, I, I want to pray for this person. They don't even have to know it. It could be in a situation when they come to you and they share that. You could kind of just say to them, I'm praying for you. And whatever it is, it opens that door. But as you do that, you begin to sense that. One of the things that happens when you open your eyes spiritually to someone who is in a place of need is God has this incredible ability to put a burden on your heart, a sense of compassion. And so before you ever are burdened to carry them through faith, you are almost burdened with what's going on in their life to pray for them. Jesus had that happen. He'd be walking and he'd been teaching and the whole group of people were there and they needed food, they needed to leave. And it says that he had, he looked on them like sheep without a shepherd and he felt, and it says deep in his gut, compassion. I'm not a merciful guy. Okay? But when I feel compassion, I pay attention. Because we're all given at any point the gifts in the character of Christ to show up in our life. And so what you need to do is be spiritually aware and, and keep your eye out for that and begin to pray. The second thing I want you to ask God for opportunities. Look for opportunities. Okay, that's the first part of the assignment. If you want to carry people through faith, that's one of the things you need to do. The next thing I think is really helpful in this, and I feel like we need to touch on this, and that is that, that the kind of faith that carries someone has the ability to discern between enabling and helping. Anybody understand that? There are some people, I don't care, the truth is, they don't want your help. For whatever reason it is. And you may be going, they don't want my help, but I've been burdened to pray for them. Stay with the burden. Because they may not be ready for your help. All this might be the process and steps you're taking so that God opens doors for you to get close enough so they feel your welcoming presence, your care for them, no matter what's going on in their life. And that process begins to open the door for them to maybe want your help. Now here's what you need to discern and understand. Especially people, I think, who have mercy gifts. You need to understand that um, discernment is, is truly needed because there are some people who will say they want your help, but really all they want is your pity. They will say they want to be carried, but they don't want to be carried to the feet of Jesus. They just want to be carried all the time, right? 
Jesus was really aware of this. It says in Mark chapter 10, verse 51, this guy who's blind, he's, he's, hears Jesus coming and Jesus kind of walks by him and the guy can't see him and he's calling out, son of David, have mercy on me, give me mercy. And, and, and everyone's trying to shut him up and they get the guy. The guy finally is brought before the feet of Jesus. Jesus says, bring this guy to me. The guy comes. And the first thing Jesus asks him is this. He, he says, what do you want me to do for you? Which is like the most inane question you would think, right? Like, duh. But he's asking for him to be aware of what is it that he truly wants. And the guy looks at Jesus and says, Rabbi, I just want to see. And Jesus heals him. There's another time when Jesus is walking and he's in Jerusalem and he's walking through this pool. And there's all kinds of people who are waiting for the pool to stir. Because the story goes that if the pool stirs and you can get in it, like the first one in gets healed. They're all waiting there. But this guy has been there for years. And it says that Jesus, when he came to it, he saw this guy lying there. And he learned that he had been there in this condition for a long time. And when people are in a condition for a long time, this question is a really good question that Jesus asked. He looked at the guy and he said, do you want to get well? Or do you really just want to stay in this condition and want some pity? These are really important. They're so important that, that Paul gives encouragement. Now, I'll just give you this verse and, and we'll move on from here. And this, this verse from Galatians chapter 6, verses 2 and verse 5, he says some things in between. But he gives this verse to help the believers in that day understand the difference between enabling and helping, truly getting in and making a difference. He says... Carry each other's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ, which means you will show love. Because all the laws are really about a heart that's showing love. And then he says, for each one should carry their own load. I remember reading that going, which one, Paul? Carry burdens or carry the load? Until I actually studied that text and understood that text. And, And this word for burden is different from the word for load. It, 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 it states in the Greek that this idea of burden is something that happens in a person's life. Let's say they have a surgery or they have a financial setback or there's an illness that comes or, or they're having a, um, a, a rocky moment or maybe it's been for a long time in their marriage, but they, they, they've come to this place and what you do is you step in. So let's say a person has surgery and, and they're working either to get their wrist or their knee back or whatever. One of the things you do out of mercy is you carry their burden for a while. What do you do? You get it, you know, people sign up to bring meals, right? If it's a financial setback kind of thing, we as a church have, have given over the years thousands and thousands of dollars to our caring fund so that we can come in for that moment to help carry the burden so at a certain point they can get back up and walk. It would be not really advantageous to them or to us to make meals for them the rest of their life, right? It would not be advantageous to us or to them in a financial setback situation, which may be caused by some bad financial habits, It would not be a good thing for us to put them on the payroll. But it would be maybe the right thing for a moment so they can get back up on their feet. And that's what he says. So when he says about carry your burden, it's that kind of incident. Carry your load is the word for backpack, which means every one of us here have thoughts. We have a will. We have emotions. We have choices that we can make that can help us navigate through life. One thing you can't do is carry someone else's backpack. And when that begins to happen, you have to begin to notice it. Counselors have a very um, interesting uh, word of advice. I learned this a long time ago. 
It says, they, they kind of say, if I'm working harder than you are, the person you're counseling, then I'm working too hard. That makes sense? It, it's just the idea that um, working harder than the person you're helping over a long period is not in what you'll begin to notice if you're enabling someone is that frustration increases, resentment begins to grow, you begin to wonder why. How will this ever end? And if you are in those places, I think it's really important to begin to reevaluate and let the Lord begin to reevaluate. But there are people that genuinely need help. This guy, in the narrative of Mark, he needed to be, he needed to be helped. It was a long-term condition, but he needed some guys to step in and to carry him in faith. And so that's what we read. There may be someone around you. And here's where you need to be careful in your judgment because sometimes you can't tell the difference between enabling and helping unless you're in it for a period of time. There may be someone who needs to be carried by your faith. And this will take the willingness on your part to be spiritually sensitive to see and it will also take wisdom on your part over time to discern what that looks like. The third thing that I would say here in this passage of scripture that's clear is that faith that carries someone always involves others. It seems like in this passage there's more than, did, one guy didn't go, oh, here, get on this uh, stretcher and I'm going to pull you all the way to Jesus. There is something about the way that God wants us to operate as individuals is that it's not just a solo thing. This is what I would call a team sport. The reason a church comes together is because everybody here has different gifts to be able to attribute and come together and to carry someone to the presence of Jesus. Now, I don't know how that's going to look. But what I find interesting in this passage of Scripture is he calls us as a people, we are a healing community. Mark chapter 2, verse 5 says, When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. So let me give you some thoughts around this, what would be some examples. Some of you guys are in small groups, and when you're in small groups, one of the things that we like about this and we talk about it is a great place to have community where you can be real and authentic and show up, and, and you can study God's word and pray for one another and hold each other up. Guess what? Some of your small groups are not just meant for you to be together and just nurture each other. God might be calling you to bring someone who needs to be carried by that group. Another way to look at it is this, that in this moment you may step in by yourself and think you're alone, but guess what? There's a whole chain of links behind you that help bring this person to this place. And you're stepping in right now might be vitally important. The way this works when we carry people together in faith is just like I read in this opening story. There are people around you who need maybe some help in their marriage. And, and what a wonderful thing out of faith and prayer is you have a burden, be able to say, you know what? We have a place with a team of people. We do this together. We have a prayer ministry. We have a, a, a gateway prayer ministry. We have a counseling ministry. Uh, a, a great opportunity for families um, to, who have kids that are in a position where they are looking for them to get some spiritual training. We have a youth ministry. Your kids, we do this together. And one of the ways you can carry someone through faith, and I'm going to ask you really to pray hard about this, is, is to ask God, where can I be involved in a ministry to help lead people to Jesus? What does that look like for you? Faith that 
carries people to Jesus often involves others. So the fourth thing here is faith that carries people to Jesus requires determination. This is really interesting. Faith carrying is not easy. Right? First of all, just probably carrying this guy for however long they had to carry him probably wasn't an easy thing to do. But even more than that, you'll, as you do that, you'll encounter more difficulties. There will be obstacles that get in your way. You will find it is so easy when you begin to pray for someone and begin to carry them in prayer and begin to look for opportunities and begin to try and get them connected. It'll, it'll be so easy for you to get discouraged. I mean, just think of this guy and the discouragement of the team. When they get to the house, they've done all this caring. They're exhausted probably from carrying them. They get there, and they're so excited about getting there. And the house is packed, and the doorway is spilling over with people, and there's no way they can get in. That's called discouragement. And they're probably wondering, why in the world we do this? We went all this way, and they could have been discouraged and stopped. But because they're a team, one person who has the gift that, you know, the person who's always hoping. You know that person who's always, everything's um, half full. One guy goes, oh, this is fine. It's not a problem. They've got a roof. Which leads to another set of obstacles because now they take this guy, no one's up on the roof, they carry the guy to the roof and what do you think the people are thinking when they start feeling the dirt coming down as they're moving the tiles and removing all that stuff? What do you think they're thinking as they're digging a hole, some of those on the outside? I'm sure they're not going, well, that's cool what you're doing. I mean, you will not only face the discouragement because it just seems like the obstacles are before you. Those are God's way of actually strengthening your determination and your muscle of faith. And as you continue to press into it, you'll begin to find that will also be the discouragement that moves to what I call disapproval, which is criticism. People around you are going, are you crazy? And you've discerned that this is not enabling, or at least you don't know yet, and you're still helping. And you're saying, no, I don't think so because God is calling me to do this even though you don't think it looks right. And then faith that carries people. This is so important. This is, this is probably one of the most important things I'll say in this. It begins by recognizing felt needs. I just think that's so important to understand this. Jesus um, has this guy come before them. All they see is the fact he can't walk. All they can understand is that he needs to be healed. They would like him to walk again. But the first words off of Jesus in this passage of scripture should surprise you. Because instead of a healing, he talks about sin. You go, well, that's not what we're really here for. And Jesus' first words were not about healing the body, but about spiritually dealing with the heart. And Jesus will often, when you bring people with their surface needs, begin to start dealing with their deeper needs, which is their heart and their sin. And then he begins at times to work with those surface needs. You may see only a rocky marriage, or you may only see a person who's depressed and, or someone with mental health issues, or you may see a person in a certain felt need condition where you begin to pray for them. And that's how God sometimes gets a hold of your heart. And Jesus will use those symptoms to get you to be burdened to pray. And God works through felt needs to heal the deepest wounds.
How do you think the guy would have responded if they would have said to him, you know what, let's just call him Charlie. Okay, I don't know. Joe, well, let's call him Joe. Okay, Joe, we know you're paralyzed and you can't walk and you want a healing, but you're a sinner. I don't know if he would have responded well to that. He might have gone, I just don't know. All I know is God allowed for them to see the felt need, and they took the felt need, they brought it to Jesus, and Jesus did what? He dealt with not just the healing of his heart, but the healing of his body. And I just want us as a church to understand that. Quit looking at people, we're all sinners. I think one important thing to look at is the felt need of someone. So that God begins to move in your heart. We're not saying they don't have sin. We all know what it means that we all have fallen short of the glory of God. We all need the healing presence of God in our hearts. It doesn't mean that sometimes God doesn't call you to deal with that issue. I don't want to say that either. But I would say far more likely God is using the felt needs. That's what we've seen in our own ministry. It's much more likely they're going to respond to you and your friendship through your concern for their felt needs. And God will touch the heart and deal with them when you bring them to him. Note, I want you to note these words in in Mark chapter 5, verses 6 through 10, because this is kind of the heart of this whole passage. It says, but some of the teachers of the law who were sitting there thought to themselves... I mean, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. You have to understand by their reaction, it is the gospel's way of telling you that Jesus was not just some healer. Jesus was not just some prophet. Jesus was not this rabbi, really good teacher who had some great moral imperatives or some great self-help books. Jesus was God. And Jesus stepped into it and said, I'm going to prove to you that I'm God. So what I want you to think about when you're dealing with people's felt needs and you're bringing them to the church, you're not bringing them to church. You're not bringing them to a ministry. Our deep desire is that you're bringing them to the only person who can do something that's possible. In fact, anything. And that's Jesus. He's God. What you're praying for is for God to move in that person's life around that felt need because God's very much concerned about that. But he's also very much concerned that you understand that who you're leading them to is the only person who can actually bring healing. And that's what he kind of says here. So Jesus does that. And then the next thing it says, Jesus knew immediately what they're thinking. So he asked them, I, I just, he calls them out. Talk again about the courage. He calls them out. He says, why do you question this in your heart? And then he asks this really good question. Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, stand up a picture mat and walk? Again, I think Jesus is trying to make it abundantly clear to us. For God, healing someone physically is far easier than dealing with a person's heart. My wife will say to me sometimes when I'm just going, oh God, I don't know, are we going to make the budget? Are we going to do this? And she goes, you know what, Kevin... The really hard part for God is not the money. He, he has the all. The hard part is that he moves hearts. Does that make sense? And that's what Jesus is basically saying. Here's the real, the, the difficult part. I can heal the marriage. I can do this. I can do all these things. But the really hard part, which takes God to do, is the healing of the heart, the forgiving of the sins. 
And that's not your job, that's God's. Your job is to bring the felt need. And you do it knowing that you're carrying this person not alone, but with a team of people. That's why we exist, folks, is to bring glory to God and to bring glory of God to people wherever their needs are. And then this last faith that carries someone to Jesus, it actually works, you guys. Lives are actually transformed. Marriages that have been disrupted by sin and by adultery and by both parties. And I say, you know, when those kind of things happen, usually it, it can be one, it can be both. What it doesn't really matter. What happens is the reality is that God can take something that seems so broken beyond repair and He can heal it. And He heals the outer symptom by getting into the heart. Your faith brings results. We don't live with that. I don't live with that understanding. That my faith, when I see a need and God begins to give me compassion. I can tell you, I remember one time when I was praying for someone because they had a physical need of healing. And I began to pray for them. And I had this compassion. I don't have that. And I remember having this compassion. And I remember saying, we need to pray for that person's healing. I didn't even know what I was doing. This is earlier in my ministries. And, and I, we prayed for this person. And I was amazed because God healed that person. I just tried to be obedient. I, kind of like what we said last week. If you really want to follow Jesus and see an ex, you know, live an extraordinary life, you just got to say yes to where he leads you. Right? So here it is. Faith actually brings results. Think of that. Your belief in God for someone else as you bring them to a team can change and transform their life. That's why I think Peter, uh, Jesus said to Peter, um, why fish for fish when you can actually fish for people? I, I think about that in my own life. I say, Jesus might say to me, he might say to you, why you spend so much time and energy on these things that matter so little? What if you were just to say this next week, I'm going to try in the morning to spend about a few minutes just to say, God, is there someone today that you have placed around me that maybe they have a need that you want me to pray for and, and possibly step into and carry them in faith? There are just so many ways to impact people. I'm going to share with you, I'm going to ask the team to come forward, I'm going to share with you this last little story. Um, again, it comes from our counseling ministry. This was a number of years ago, a few years back. Um, a woman came to Beth Moorhead for counseling. Beth is one of our counselors, our chief counselor, um, and and had said that they were suffering with panic attacks. Anybody suffered with panic attacks? I, I've had them. They, they can be just deal, they can be debilitating. This person had suffered with panic attacks to the degree that they were regularly going to the ER. And, and Beth had worked with people and she knows that through counseling, it's usually with panic attacks, it can take a period of time to bring about healing. And so, um, she met with this person and she sensed God saying, send them to the other part of the team. Send them to the gateway prayer ministry first. So God directed her to do that. She said, you know, before we even get into counseling, I'm going to ask you just to go to a great gateway prayer session. So, the person made in a reservation, again, was a little bit not sure what's going on, went to the gateway prayer session, had this incredible experience in this gateway prayer session, waited, I think, a couple of weeks it was, or whatever it was, and got back to Beth and said, they're gone. I, I don't have them. 
And that was just because God worked through someone who worked through someone else. You know what? Someone led that person, was a part of the team of caring faith, to, to tell that person to go to Beth. And Beth said, you know what? We have another part of the team. And everybody took a hold of the stretcher. And together, they brought that person to Jesus. And guess what? Their faith worked. Your faith, folks, will work if you'll exercise it. There are people who are around you that need your faith exercised. And when God begins to put thoughts in your head, instead of analyzing them and and trying to come up with why or why you shouldn't do it, just say, yes, I'm going to follow you in faith. So who is Jesus placed around you who is hurting? Do you feel any burden in your own heart as you think of that person for prayer? What is their felt need? And what would it look like for you to grab that stretcher with some other people, whether in a small group or whatever it is, and allow God to use you to carry that person to the person who can truly make the only difference that really counts in their life? And that's Jesus.